done a great job of getting to everybody's feedback. I think I've had some really great interviews lately, and because of that, they've gone long, and I haven't had time at the end of the show to really just dive into what you're all saying. So, it's accrued for a while, and it's time to dive in to listener feedback this week on Homebrewing DIY. talk to you about a company that we've been working with here at Homebrewing DIY, and I'm just really excited about, and that's Brewing America. The reason I'm excited about Brewing America is because they make the highest quality hydrometers that a homebrewer can get right now. First of all, they're hand-blown here in America, and they're calibrated, ready to go, and I've heard nothing but great things. Uh, I'll give you an example. I was actually sitting in a homebrew club meeting last Friday. We we're doing a, a Zoom call meeting, and I brought up the fact that I have a Brewing America hydrometer, and a member in my club came up and said, you know what? Brewing America is an amazing company. First of all, they sent me a hydrometer, and I went to calibrate it, and it was off, and I reached out to them, And they were like, oh, we're really sorry about that. No problem. Just keep the one you have. A new one's on the way. No questions asked. Great customer service like that. And that's what you can get and expect when you deal with Brewing America. I want to put it out there that you're going to get quality tools. It's a hand-blown hydrometer made here in America. It's also going to give you a glass test tube in that kit that is amazing quality and it's also thinner and taller than the other ones that you get so you actually take a smaller sample so just the little details that they've thought about when it comes to putting together a hydrometer is really just what makes the difference right this is a small tool that you use think of it as the thing that came in your beginning homebrew kit but this is the step up to actually doing it with quality and the cool thing is if you head over to our website homebrewingdiy.beer i have a banner up there for brewing america and if you click on it, you'd actually get 15% off of a hydrometer kit from them. So it's just added to your car to checkout. And it also tells Brewing America that you found them on Homebrewing DIY. So head on over to brewingamerica.com or go to our website and use our sponsor banner. And welcome back to Homebrewing DIY, the podcast that takes on the do-it-yourself aspect of homebrewing. Gadgets, contraptions, and parts, this show covers it all. On this week's show, we're doing listener feedback. I've actually kind of sucked at not doing listener feedback just because I feel like our interviews have been so good that they've lasted a lot longer than they normally do. And so I haven't had time at the end of the interview to squeeze in some feedback. And so it's actually piled up. 
I've got a lot of it. So we're going to just take the time this week. We're going to sit down, go through all of your listener feedback and respond to them. So I'm kind of excited for today's show. But first, I'd like to thank all of our patrons over at Patreon. It's because of you that this show can come to you week after week. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash homebrewingdiy. The cool thing about giving at Patreon is that you're going to get ad-free episodes that, and I'll also send you a set of stickers, and all you got to do is give a dollar a month. That's, that, that is the least amount you can give and still get ad-free episodes. I think it's a great deal and very, very inexpensive. That's $12 a year for a show that you probably listen to every week. So if I'm in your, if this show is in your weekly repertoire of homebrewing podcasts, just give as little as a dollar and you can have it ad free. So save yourself the time, save yourself the ads. That being said, another way to support the show is head on over to coffee. That's ko-fi.com forward slash homebrewing DIY. And there you can give one-time support. Another way to support the show is just use our sponsor banners. Brewing America, Keg Factory, Brew Father, Brew in a Bag. They're all there. Just click on them. They know we sent you, and they in turn support our show as well. And it also, they, they are sponsors we read on the air, and because of that, it, it helps them know our listeners actually support those businesses, and they continually support our podcast. So please, 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 that that is also something we do. No, all this money goes right back into the, the podcast, and it's helped us grow. We're now doing written content, which is awesome. Just today, we dropped a really amazing episode, a, re- a really amazing article, not an episode, where we discussed the barley wine that you was made from a gin barrel from Ryan Packmeyer and he won a silver silver medal in the beer, big brews big beers brewing competition up in Breckenridge Colorado. So very cool includes the recipe in there and some maybe good tips and tricks in finding a barrel or even possibly just hey you you could probably just steep some stuff in the in the kind of gin that you want and probably get there. But a very, very cool article to check out. We also, next week, uh, I'll give you a sneak preview, are coming up with an, uh, a series of podcasts and articles, so it'll be over the next two weeks, where we are actually going to have a homage to the hydrometer. So I'm very, very excited about it. We're going to have Chino, who's writing a two-part series about hydrometers, and he's going deep deep, deep, deep on properly using so deep that it actually ended up having to be two articles. And then we're going to have Brewing America on the podcast next week. And we're going to talk to them about the proper usage of a hydrometer as well. So super exciting. I don't know. It seems like a small tool, but it's definitely a very, very cool tool. And I'm excited about it. So that that is what's coming up next soon here at Homebrewing DIY. But let's 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 dive into listener feedback. Let's get to it now and let's let's crack away. All right, let's uh, jump into some listener feedback and just to kind of 
give everybody background on how ways you can give me feedback. First thing you can do, you can just shoot me an email, podcast at homebrewingdiy.beer. That's probably the easiest way because chances are if you're listening to this on your phone, you can just pull out your phone, whip it up and shoot me a quick email. It takes you about two seconds. Another way you could do it is you can head over to homebrewingdiy.beer. Just press the contact button and there's a form there. And if you fill it out, that'll go right to actually that same email, but it's it, however you want to do it. I find that I do get more feedback through the form randomly. I have thought about doing a phone line and allowing people to leave me voicemails that I could play on the show. Send me some feedback. If you're into it, I, I'm totally down to do it. Uh, I just don't want to set it up if nobody's going to use it. So love to hear from you guys. If you're down to have, you're listening to the show, let me know. Do you want a voicemail? I'd love to do that. I could play it on the air. We can answer those questions. That's always a great thing we could do. Probably help me make it more of a thing that we do every week. I would like to do that. Well, let's stop listening to me randomly go on and on and on and ramble because I can. Let's jump into our first piece of feedback. And we are going to talk to Sean. And Sean sent me an email and he said, pretty surprised at your experience with the mash and boil and how you say that you're getting fluctuating temperatures so much. I've used the mash and boil since they've been released and I've never had that big of a temp difference. Sure, on the board readout, it says you're getting them, but I learned pretty quickly, never trust the readout when you have grain in there. The sludge and the grain particulates settle over the sensor, which is directly on the bottom and seals it off from the correct temperature. It thinks it's low and then then starts turning on the heat and then it overshoots. If you check your temps manually with your regular thermometer, you'll find that the temps barely ever drop a degree over the entire mash. All I do is keep the lid on, shut the power off, maybe stir 30 minutes in and, you know, just see if it's stable temp wise and all the grain and water holds the heat really well. And then even if my 48 degree Fahrenheit winter basement, there's really no dips in my temperature. I use a reflux wrap uh, around the outside though. So that obviously helps keep the heat in. So all I got to say is don't trust the readout, Sean. And yeah, Sean, I I totally agree with you. With my experience as well, I do keep the heat on and I continually check it with my thermometer. And maybe that's what I should do is I, I just bring it up to my strike temperature. Once I get it, check it, make sure it's right. And once it's right, maybe just cut the heat and let it do its thing. That's how I brewed in a bag for years is I, I just, you know, wrapped it in a blanket and let it do its thing. And I never really had any problems with temperature fluctuations. It's only been since I've had a mash and boil. So I think that that is actually a good piece of advice. Another thing is that I have found with other friends that have had those types of all-in-one systems is obviously if you have a recirculating, like a, like a pump or something like that, that really helps it maintain even temperature because you're taking hot liquid from the bottom, kind of putting it in at the top. And it's also creating less settling on top of that probe that just sits on the bottom. And For those of you who don't have a system like that, the way that they work is like the heating plate is really just the bottom of the mash and boil. The bruzilla is kind of the same way as well. And the temperature probe is like a quarter of an inch little bump 
that sits on the bottom of that, and that's what it's reading the temperature from. It's definitely not getting temperatures throughout the column, and it's not giving you that good of a reading. So I, I think that's good advice to just like, hey, get it to the temperature, cut the heat, and then once you're done mashing, plug it back in and roll it up to a boil and then just leave it going so it boils. It's not a bad idea. So I want to thank you, Sean, for your feedback. My next piece of feedback is from Fred Coleman. You might know him as the blind brew guy. He's actually been on a few podcasts and he's got a pretty good Instagram following. So Fred, I am actually a little jealous. You, you know, I think you just hit 5,000 Instagram followers, but you, you got to check out Fred's Instagram. It's really cool. You got to check out his brew setup. He, he's, he's definitely a fun guy to follow, but, but it's one of the cool things is that obviously he's called the blind brew guy. He's visually impaired. And as you know, at least for me, homebrewing is a process that you're you're kind of constantly using your senses. And so it is something where he's set up his entire setup to really work in a way that allows him as somebody who's visually impaired to be able to homebrew. So very, very cool and, and something you should definitely check out. But he sent me this piece of feedback and I, I, I this has to do with our show last week where we talked about diversity and inclusion. And this is some great feedback. So hi, Coulter. I just finished listening to your last show. Loved the diversity discussion. My daughter at Norske Brewer, and I'll actually just as an FYI, in the show notes, I'll actually put links to their Instagram so you can check them out, him and his daughter. has had So Norske Brewer has had several men tell her, and this is in quotes, be honest, your husband is the home brewer and you just help clean up afterwards. And she has to tell them, no, it's the exact opposite. So I'm glad to hear that you're starting to get back out there into breweries. So take care. Cheers, Fred at Bly Brew Guy. So this is the kind of thing I'm always talking about when we talked about diversity and inclusion in our last conversation is the ability to really just kind of look at people who may not look like us, right? One of the things that we talked about last week, we we discussed specifically that, hey, you go to a homebrew club meeting, for example, it's going to be a bunch of middle-aged white guys. That That is our demographic when it comes to homebrewing. And we want to, for me, it's like, I want to get out of just that. Like, don't get me wrong. My best friends are homebrewers and we're all middle-aged white guys. That's great. But I also want to look at it in a, in a situation where it's like, I, I feel like we could just, you know, do better. I, I would love to go to the club and have more women brewers there. I think that that would be great. I think that their approach to brewing is going to be different than my own. And I'm excited when I get to discuss homebrewing with somebody who doesn't approach life the same way I do. And so for me, that is what's so important. And I have to say that no one, and I'm sorry, no one should ever feel like they should get a comment like, hey, I'm going to discount your brewing ability because you're a woman and say that you just help clean up after your husband. That is just so, so, I'm sorry, that's piggish. And, and I just don't think that that's something that I'm cool with. So, and, and the fact that if 
a woman puts herself out there, puts her foot forward, is trying to get out there and learn how to homebrew and is active in the hobby and trying to make great beer, we should just be all for that. And that's all I've got to say. And I just, comments like that just piss me off. And so it's just something like I read this email and it upset me. And, uh, you know, I wrote back to him saying it was great feedback and, and I'm sorry to hear that she ever had to hear a conversation like that. It shouldn't, th those comments shouldn't even come up when it, when we talk about homebrewing, it, we should just be excited that she's excited for the hobby and that's it. So that's all I got to say about that. But, uh, yeah, if all I would say is if you're listening to the show and Somebody is interested in homebrewing, no matter what they look like, we should be advocating to help people get into the hobby and be part of the homebrewing community. That, that, that to me is what we should be doing and not making comments like that. Even though we think we're joking, eh, you're not really joking. So that, that's all I have to say there. Let's get into our next piece of feedback and I'm going to pull up from Gabe Weiss. And here's what he says. Thanks always for the podcast. I was just listening to your evolution of homebrewing podcast and my homebrew story is similar to yours. I started with a Mr. Beer kit that my wife gave me and then I moved to full extract batches. But I only made a few batches a year because I hated bottling until a friend who owned a bar gave me a Pepsi keg around 2007, which got me into kegging. I moved to all grain in a homemade brew bag, and uh, but it was too heavy for me to hold up while it drained, so I converted to a cooler with a mash tun. Now I'm using a homemade 240-volt brew-in-a-basket system that I lift with a pulley. I want to respond to the feedback on the Oktoberfest episode saying that I really did enjoy it, even though it wasn't totally DIY related. I don't listen to every single homebrewing podcast these days, and I had not heard any other interviews with that author. I do have another piece of feedback, which is that I think the intro music and the outro music and the ads are beginning are, are at the very beginning of the podcast are much louder than everything else. The ads in the middle of the podcast are not louder to me. So hopefully you can just adjust the levels a bit. The music levels in the intro and the outro parts were, were talk <laughs> that we're taking seem perfect. It's just the parts where you aren't talking that are a little too loud. Cheers, Gabe. So yeah, that's, that's some good feedback, Gabe. I've actually, I don't know if you guys have listened the last few weeks. I've actually adjusted the loudness of my podcast a little bit, and I've actually pulled the intro and outro music down a little, little bit, specifically because of this feedback. It's one of those things where, you know, I'm editing this myself. I'm trying. I, I am not an editor of a I'm not a podcast editor for a living. I, I guess I am now since I've been doing this for almost two years and I've, I've gotten better. If you, if you listen to my older podcasts, they definitely sound much worse than they do now. And I've tried a few different tools out there. There was a time when I, I used a different editing tool than I am today. And so I'm always trying to figure out what I can do. What I want, what I need to do is actually just get it down to where it's like literally a template and get it knocked out. That, that is how I'll deal with that feedback. I also want to say, yeah, the reason I had 
the Oktoberfest episode, and that's good feedback. And the reason, it, just a, a bit of story there, the reason Gabe is actually calling that out was I had feedback all the way back, and I believe it was late February where somebody had said, Hey, this isn't really DIY related. And you know, the book isn't really about homebrewing, but in all reality, it had to do with beer culture. And we did discuss making Oktoberfest. And so for me, I felt like that was, you know, still talking about, you know, making a good DIY batch of beer, which is, you know, homebrewing is the ultimate DIY project. But I also do agree that, I want to make sure that I am continually talking a little bit more about equipment as well. So I, I think that both sides of that are, hey, if, if I think a guest is interesting, I'm definitely going to have them on the podcast. I think that as long as we're discussing the homebrewing culture and what is behind that and if it's interesting to a homebrewer, then I think it's worth having them on the show. I you know, you have to put this show out every week. And so for me, it's, it's something where if I feel like you, you, you're a good guest and you have something to contribute to the homebrewing community, chances are I'm going to probably have you on the show. The, the cool thing is, is that when people come on the show as guests, even if they're sponsors of mine, they're, they're not paying me to be on this show, right? I have sponsors that pay me for ads on the show. But for example, if, if I have a guest who happens to be a sponsor, they're, they're not actually paying me for that sponsorship. I, I actually don't ask money from any of the companies we have on the show. And I do that on purpose because I want to kind of say, hey, this is something where if you have something to contribute to the homebrewing community, you want to educate us on maybe your product or service that m might interest some homebrewers, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm totally cool with that. I don't know if other people are, but that that's at least the way I approach it. Because guess what? Part of this is buying equipment. Part of this is finding new gadgets. And if people are into those, I'm into them. So that that's at least the way I look at it. So yeah. Uh, if you wrote a book that had to do with beer culture, that had to do with a woman who was really, really into Oktoberfest, great. I, I'll I'm okay to have that conversation. So at least that's the way I tell myself that it's okay for the podcast. But I guess it's a good time to jump into a quick word from our sponsor, which is going to be Keg Factory. And Keg Factory is a homebrew shop down in San Antonio, Texas, and they're going to have everything you need. Hey, if, if you're looking for ingredients, you're looking to get a, a new homebrewing system, you're looking for equipment, Keg Factory's got you covered. And the coolest part is that they actually have a loyalty program that you can sign up for Keg Cash. Just for signing up, they're going to give you 50 points, and you get points for every dollar that you spend that you can use on getting new equipment. So, you know, they're, they're going to help you grow your brewery just by shopping at Keg Factory. Kind of cool. They have everyday brewers. So if you, you have a question about homebrewing, you can call them up and ask them questions. They're there to answer them, and they're there to help you. Also... Uh, another cool thing is they have a huge selection of equipment as well as ingredients. They're going to have everything that you need as a home brewer and all in one place. If you need to get a brand new all-in-one system, such as a, a Brewer's Edge Mash and Boil, all the way up to a full-on 
Blickman system for many thousands of dollars, they're going to get you covered and you can get it all in four easy payments, interest-free all over at Keg Factory. So head on over to kegfactory.com. Tell them that Homebrewing DIY sent you because that will help them continue to support this show. So kegfactory.com. Uh, let's, let's get back into it. Let's hop into our next piece of feedback, which is from John Marriott. And John th is also a patron, so I'll, I will throw that out there. So thank you so much, John, for being a patron. Hi, Coulter. I'm writing you from the UK and am new to homebrewing. I just found your podcast and listened to a few episodes whilst sitting on my indoor bike trainer. Very easy to listen to, very informative. Just finished your episode on all grain, boil in a bag, and I've read a few articles and I was left scratching my head with other questions, with more questions than answers. You made it much simpler to understand, so thank you. Bye for now. Off to look for a 10-gallon pot and a nylon bag. So, John, thank you so much for your feedback. And I, I will say that, yes, I, I agree with you that... Sometimes what happens when we when homebrewers are talking to other homebrewers, we assume that the the person who's listening to us or or we're writing to understands all of the things that we're talking about. And we might use acronyms that they might not understand. And so one of the things when I do my beginner series is I do try to talk through a lot of the processes in a very, very simple way, maybe. I, I try to look at it as, hey, how, how would I want to be told this? Don't get me wrong. Sometimes I'm going to be, I'm not going to be 100% there. I'm still going to do things like, you know, use an acronym that maybe somebody doesn't understand or something. But my whole goal is to make some of those specifically in the beginner series approachable to somebody who's maybe never homebrewed before and to be able to talk them through that. One of my favorite episodes of homebrewing DIY is, is actually the water episode. And the reason I love that episode and I've listened to it a few times and I know it's just me talking, but I've listened to it a few times because I listened to it with a critical ear kind of going, Hey, if I was brand new, would this help me? And I, and, and I overwhelmingly got a lot of feedback from that show that was really positive. Also, that is also one of my most downloaded shows of all time. And, and the big reason is that I tried to make a no-nonsense approach to water that you could go in and be like, hey, look, water doesn't have to be as hard as people make it out to be. It's definitely something you could uh, uh, attempt in your brewing very early in your process. And here's how I do it. And I think that that it was a really good approach versus getting overly technical, talking about, you know, a chloride to sulfate ratio and, and, and talking about a lot of parts per million that nobody really understands. So that's what I try to do. So thank you very, very much, John, for the feedback. I really appreciate it. And also thank you for your patronage. That was also something that I truly appreciate back is from mark dominic and mark says hey i'd like the new england ipa and kolsch recipes i appreciate the podcast great work that's awesome a uh, couple of recipes that i i love to make and let, let's just talk through a couple real quick i 
what I will do is I will link to a couple of recipes that I have in Brewfather in the show notes. So if you're listening to this, Mark, just hop on over the show notes and I'll, I'll link to some. I actually don't have a, a current kind of go-to Kolsch recipe that I have going on right now, but Kolsch's are, are very, very easy. Uh, for me, it's something where the the Kolsch style of beer is, is very, very it's a, it's a super simple recipe. If I were going to make a Kolsch today, I would use a base malt like something simple like Pilsner. Obviously, something like German Pilsner. And I would also add just maybe a touch of, of Munich or Vienna. I One of my favorite things to do, and you're going to hear me do this all the time, is I love blending base malts. I think that it adds complexity, specifically to a beer like a Kolsch that's going to be really crisp, clean, and kind of naked, right? So I would do a blend of one of those two. So let's do main base malt. Let, let's do 50% or 60%. Let's do 60% of of a Pilsner, German Pilsner. And then I would add another, I would do another, you know, 40% of either Munich or I would do Vienna malt. Let's just say Vienna malt for the sake of, of this beer. So 60, 40, obviously you could just adjust this to size based on the type of beer you're going to use. I'd use noble hops. So for me personally, I would use something like um, Hollertau, uh, maybe some saws. It's up to you, but I, for, for a Kolsch, I'd, I'd probably use some Hollertau right now. Hollertau for some reason for the last couple of years, the alpha acids have been pretty low. So I'd probably bump up the amount I'd use to a couple of ounces for bittering. I wouldn't do much more than just a bittering addition and then just, you know, make your beer. And then once you get to pitching, I would use something like the Safel, Kolsch yeast. I, I, I would use dry yeast. I wouldn't go anything super crazy. And from there, I would just let it go. Yeah, that was a very simple beer, but man, Kolsch's are great and they're so easy to drink. So, and it's Kolsch season. So get out there and make one. As far for a New England IPA, that one's a little bit more of my white well. Uh, right now, if I were going to make an, a New England IPA, my process would look like this. Obviously, I'd use Pilsner. It could be a, any type of Pilsner. It could be American Pilsner. It could be even uh, it could even be German Pilsner. It's up to you what you want to use. I would then do a mash at around 155 for that. I would my main base. The recipe itself would be. I would say a good 70% Pilsner. I would do, no, 60% Pilsner. I would then do 20% white wheat and another 20% of flaked oats. And that would be my grain bill. And then from there, I would turn around and mash it around 153 to 155. Try to get in the mid 150s. Because I, I want to try to get a, 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 a like, higher finishing gravity, right? So then I would do the mash for an hour and then I would get into the boil. I, I would still boil for an hour and then I would do a flame out and then I would start adding my hops. If I were going to do a standard New England IPA, I would just do the, the, the standard hops of, you know, Citra, Mosaic, maybe some Mount Hood in there or something like uh, El Dorado, El Dorado, no Mount Hood, El Dorado. And I would do those three hops and I would just 
try to get a good like hop stand with it for a solid 20 minutes at around 180 if you're using an electric brewery like i am i would hold it there for the solid 20 and then from there what i would do is then move into the fermenter i would use the london ale 3 and i would ferment it at you know the mid 60s and just let it go i would do a dry hop but i would actually at this point now i, I would ferment in a keg I would add my dry hop into another keg that I would then transfer my beer into once I got it down to into the 50s. And then I would transfer the beer over to that keg and do a dry hop for a day or two and then transfer again to another serving keg. And then that's when I would actually serve the beer. That would be my New England IBA process right now. And uh, I think it's probably gonna be pretty solid. I'll let you know. I got. I actually make it with all of those processes, but I haven't yet. But that it would be the one I would do today. All right, let's move on to the next piece of feedback. I have one from Sean Kemp, and this one says, "Hey, wanted to reach out and say how much I love your podcast. I used to brew a lot, then." got out of the hobby and I'm just coming back to it again. I was one of those main contributors slash project managers of raspberry pints. Love raspberry pints, by the way. And I just listened to your episode on open source software and I loved it. Nice work. And maybe someday I'll get raspberry pints redone. I just, just going to take some convincing ha ha ha. And then he actually threw me his homebrew talk username. So, Super cool. I love emails like this, right? So, Sean, thank you so much for sending this over. I, I have to say, even to this day, I use Raspberry Pints for my menu board. And probably just because that was the one that I, I had built a long time ago. And it's it's worked and, and it's worked great. I'm still running an old school Raspberry Pi with Wheezy on it to get it to go. But it, it does work. And it's not connected to the internet or anything. And so, yeah, it's one of those things where, yeah, it works and it works fine and, and it does the job. And I'm glad with that. I will say the, the, the one thing that sucks about some of those projects is that, you know, somebody is making an open source project out of the goodness of their heart. They're out there, you know, writing a piece of software and they're giving it away for free. And you can't expect somebody to to manage that forever. And hopefully what'll happen is you'll build a, a big enough community around it. The, the code's out there. And if somebody wants to hop in and actually help maintain that, great. Raspberry Pints has kind of got that, but not fully. And so hopefully some people come back and, and hop into it and, and make it a little bit better. But you know, there's a lot of other kind of brewery boards out there. The cool thing about Raspberry Pints is the old school version you could actually like use it to well you still could but you use like arduinos and stuff to get it to track the the amount of beer in your kegs and stuff but uh, i never did that i just use it for i literally just use it for a, a display board of what beers i have so very very cool sean thank you so much for the email i, I really appreciate it and uh yeah next time i'm on homebrew talk uh, i'll make sure I, I say hi so thank you very very much for the feedback all right, and this is my last piece of feedback for today, and this is from uh, Jonathan Harris Jensen. He has three names, Jonathan Harris Jensen. And 
he sent me this email. Hey, man, love the podcast. I'm a listener from Denmark. Wow. I the glow. How many people listen to this show from all over the world? It's so cool. I just listened to your episode on all-in-one systems, and you called the grandfather the Cadillac of all-in-one systems. Well, if that's the case, then I'd like to introduce you to the Bugatti or the Hummer or the Maserati of systems. I could go. I'm not very good with cars, so you know that that I hope these are appropriate. But he wants. He, then he links to BrewTools.com. This is the best system. Some things quite sometimes quite mouthwatering and they have their own conical unitanks as well. Cheers, Jonathan. Yeah, I I've definitely seen brew tools. They're, they're, I, I'm going to, I'm going to throw out a name here. I'm, I'm part of the brew tubers homebrew club. It's, it's a online homebrew club for content creators. I don't actually do a lot of YouTube, but the brew tuber guys all do. And there's one guy that's a brew tuber and he has the sickest the sickest brew tool setup i've ever seen you guys have to check him out he his name's portly gentleman just go on to youtube and and check it out and he's got like this setup where he's built out a brew tool system and he's constantly adding new stuff to it and he's got like background lighting to it it's really 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 cool so yeah check out portly gentleman's brew tool system yeah and, and that being said that's also a system that i want to discuss on the show so maybe maybe i'll have portly gentleman over on the podcast and we could talk about his brew tool system and and kind of how he approached it because his setup is pretty pretty sick and i'm i am somebody who likes to go gaga over really cool electric setups and this one is definitely that I, I think that one thing from that, though, is that what we were talking about were just those kind of like all-in-one systems that were kind of based on the green, grandfather. Because think of it as like the grandfather was the first one of these kind of all-in-one systems. I'm sure with brew tools, you can definitely do like a brew in a bag system with it. Uh, but on top of that, it's just got a lot more to it as well. So brew tools, is th- think of it as like full brewery automation from all the way to from heating i think even brew tools can manage fermentation and all that stuff as well so definitely has all 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 of the you know it's got conical uni tanks built into it so yeah it does fermentation probably with glycol and the whole gig so it's like having a a professional brewery in your home just you know mini sized so kind of cool well that's it. That's it for feedback. And I'm glad I actually did this because, you know, I'm looking at the at the timer right now and I'm 35 minutes into just reading feedback. So had a lot to get caught up on. And I want to thank all of the listeners for giving us feedback. I really appreciate it. It's because of you that I even make this podcast. I feel like I have to get a show out every week because people do listen to it. And I really appreciate it. And I appreciate everybody for it. And yeah, I appreciate you, the listener. So we'll keep it going. Well, I want to thank everyone for submitting feedback. And remember, that's podcast at homebrewingdiy.beer or just go over and fill out the contact form just appreciate it and 
it's because of listeners like you that this podcast comes out. So thank you very much. Also, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Look for us all one word at Homebrewing DIY. Well, that's it for this week. And we'll talk to you next week. It's all about hydrometers next week on Homebrewing DIY.